Welcome back to the launch desk here at Spaceways. I'm Dooner with Michael Vincent, and we just saw a really awesome keynote from our guest right now. It is Mark Weiss. Mark, anytime you talk, I listen. What's going on, Dooner? Vincent, great to see you guys. <laughs> great to see you, Mark, again, since we saw you earlier this year in person. Can't wait to see you again in person, uh, maybe at a launch sometime. Yeah, right? one of these days. One yeah, of these days right? we'll Definitely. get down there. Mark, <laughs> yeah. tell me a little we're bit. Prepping, we're prepping for one today. We got a cargo resupply to the space station sitting at the launch pad right now, ready to go. Oh, oh. beautiful. What time is that taking off? So today is just a hot fire. We're prepping for it. So it's coming up here in a couple of days. So, Mark, let me tell you, let, let's just, before we move on to Q&A, just tell me a little bit about what went into that keynote. Why did you want to deliver that to this audience? What kind of message did you want to convey? Yeah, no, so thank you, and, and, and thank you to this whole Space Waves audience for watching us. Um, we're really changing our model here at NASA. We're moving to buying a service, trying to really work a lot harder to, to incubate across commercial sectors. You know, NASA's the R&D leg for the federal government. And, you know, we go do things that don't make business cases close and try to prime the pump there. But we're getting to this place in, this place in space now where it's, it's opening up to markets all over the place. So it's time to start moving towards the commercial sector where they can see a place where businesses can close. And we want to inspire that in non-traditional industries. And the logistics area is prime and ripe for that. Wow. Well, I know that we have a lot of questions. Should we, should we get right to them? I know you. Ha I know you brought I, a couple friends with you, Mark. So I got with me Mark McDonald. He is our chief architect at NASA for the Space Technology Mission Directorate. So spends a lot of time on incubating, you know, the, the technology we got to go buy down to do our missions. And then also with us is Max Bridges. So he's the he's the program executive for this new thing we call iTech. And he'll talk about that a little bit. It's a great area where we're also working on the venture capital side and trying to connect the dots where private investment wants to go make something happen in industry that'll work for us as well. Well, welcome to the show, gentlemen. We're glad to have yeah. you here at Spaceways. Actually, our first question is a really easy one. You guys don't even have to answer this one. It comes from someone named <laughs> Craig Fuller. He says, how, he says, how do I get a Spacewave shirt? You go to, he's modeling it right here, Michael is. You go to swag.freightwaves.com. Now, guys, so the first question here actually comes from uh, John Gallagher. He said, what's NASA's role in overseeing the space industry compared to that of the FAA? And to what extent do the two agencies work together? Yeah, so FAA is a, a regulatory agency, right, that makes sure rules are followed and rules are enforced. And NASA's more on the, the leading edge, the technology edge, trying to open up the door so other players can come on board. And FAA is actually playing in the space industry now. The FAA actually helps with the commercial launches. So we work hand-in-hand -hand and partner as things move from a, a research area to an operational and commercial area where industry is involved. Nice. Uh, the next one comes from Geek Gearhead, and he says, "How he says, what do lunar station operations look like?" So he's kind of wondering what goes on in there, what's the back end, what's the logistics of it all. Yeah, so so space station is the great analog, right? Our low Earth orbit research platform that's pretty close to home, and we have constant operations there, twenty years now, where we've had a continual human presence, and we bring up cargo half a dozen times a year to space station. When we move out to the moon, we're, we're going a huge leap beyond, you know, from 200 miles above Earth to a quarter of a million miles away. And we've got to go operate independently, autonomously. We won't have a crew there 24-7. So it, it starts to change the game a little bit. We're not always there. And we have to think ahead and plan for something that's a lot further away. Excellent. So Seiko Logistics asks, with the privatization of inner orbit, what will space waybill look like, a space waybill look like, and can we help create one? So how do they get involved? 
So, so that's an interesting question, right? So there's a lot of logistics we line up and all the, you know, all the things we have to document in our manifest and what we're going to fly. We work hand in hand to make sure we supply the science that'll go up there. We supply the astronauts needs and we'll do the same thing out to the moon. But we're already working with commercial industry. There's a, there's a contract out there that NASA let a little over a year ago called the Commercial Lunar Payload Services, where we're partnering with industry for, the, for them to take our instruments. So what that way bill is going to be NASA science instruments going on commercial landers where they can deliver that straight to the moon. So we're trying to prime it all over the place in different areas, not just for our astronauts, but for the independent research side and really start to open the door for how we can move things beyond Earth orbit. This one is for Max Briggs, who has a, a, just an amazing um, NASA name right there. I, I love that one, Max Briggs. And the question is, what is the TAM of space and how do venture capitalists get involved with investing in space? What does that market look like? Oh, so the, the, the TAM in space is a, is a really, um, I, it's, a, it's one of your unknown unknowns, right? Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to answer that uh, right now. I mean, some people uh, kind of try to, um, I, Neil deGrasse Tyson says all the time, the first trillionaire is going to be somebody who brings back, uh, you know, uh, rare earth metals from an asteroid, figures out how to do it quickly. And uh, so, uh, I mean, there's certainly people that uh, believe that there's a huge uh, TAM in space. But I, I think, that, I mean, there's also the possibility of, I've heard people talk about GAM, the government addressable markets, right? So there's um, there's things that are uh, are commercially viable, but there's also the potential to provide commercial services to governments as well as other uh, commercial entities. And so that's uh, a decent amount of, of what we do in for, for iTech is try to, uh, um, which is the program that I've been involved in uh, um, most recently, is uh, to try to get people to, um, to, to try to, as Mark said earlier, prime the pump, to, to try to get uh, identified markets that are going to be uh, useful for both commercial industry as well as for governments. And, um, and uh, so that we have different programs to address different things. And so uh, sometimes a program, the other program I was involved in is called Small Business Innovative Research. And uh, that, that is focused more on kind of low to mid-level TAM, where uh, maybe a venture capitalist needs to reduce the risk a little bit more before they're willing to get into it because it doesn't have the huge unicorn bang for your buck kind of thing. Uh, but then um, in iTech, we actually do, we, we go to the VCs and we say, hey, look, uh, what are the things that NASA is interested in that also have a huge total addressable market for you? And so, um, you know, there's obviously tons of things in COM, uh, low Earth, uh, in low, low Earth orbit commercialization, in uh, Earth science observation. Uh, there's all kinds of things, weather, there's all kinds of things that you can go and, and do there. Um, but um, but the, to put an exact number on it, I mean, it, it's uh, we are in the very early stages of figuring, you know, it's like asking somebody what the TAM was on <laughs> Um, on, on airplanes when the Wright brothers flew, air, you know, started flying. People had no idea what was going to happen. So, um, you know, it's it's really unknown at this point, but we know that there's potential. And what we're trying to do in both iTech and SBIR is explore that potential and, uh, you know, uh, make sure that accelerate the actual, um, you know, viability of that market. Mark Weiss. Mark, how long until we see freight runs to Mars? Yeah, so we're right now gateway is that, you know, getting us at the moon so we can practice to go to Mars. So the next within the next decade, we're looking to have that that permanent human presence at the moon, set up the right infrastructure so that we're we're practicing at that that planetary body closest to us. Mars is the next big leap. But you heard Maxwell, you know, make the the analogy of of the Wright brothers, right? everything's accelerating. So we're hoping to get to Mars in the 2030s and hopefully we got Mark McDonald back. He's he's focused on 
on that government side of how do we buy down the gaps that'll get us to Mars? So uh, there's a lot of comments about, and you mentioned, uh, I believe it was Oscar, and I, I can't remember exactly what that was that stood for. But you talked about there's a lot of comments about how you're being responsible about trash and looking at at you know waste and and that type of stuff, and uh, some comments in there about turning waste into fuel. And then some of the questions are, can we use the waste on uh, Earth uh, to produce that fuel and reduce our landfills and uh, the recycling here on Earth? Yeah, that, if we can get the launch costs down, right, maybe there is a way for us to start reducing the waste we have here on Earth because we can start moving some of that stuff off. And the technologies we're doing to try to recycle, that's what Oscar's helping us do, recycle things that we send up to orbit so that we can repurpose them. If we can do that, you know, we're finding ways to reuse that. That technology is going to move back down to ground here as well. And that'll be ways for us as a community, you know, to, to take the back to the future images we have as a kid where they're throwing garbage in the DeLorean and, and turning something into useful for us here on Earth. I guess the follow-up question to, to that would be, can't we just launch the pl- all the plastic up into space? I think that was actually the plots of Superman 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, um, uh, pyrolysis, and there, there, there are several different processes that are being looked at to try to uh, be able to convert uh, plastics and uh, general waste into high-quality um, uh, jet fuel uh, or rocket fuel. So... Um, uh, that that's definitely being looked at, and it's uh, I, I you know it's it's a matter of the commercial viability at this point. Uh, you know, uh, trying to scale it, uh, trying to to get the business ca- case to close. Uh, uh, but if you can go ahead and take a uh, and get paid for a feedstock that you can then sell, then you you know if, if you can make that make that business model close, that's definitely being considered uh, at several. Um, there, there's there's a few different players in that game that are trying to develop technologies to do that. So, uh, you know, it goes from offshore, you know, putting a putting a plant out there by one of those uh, garbage islands, uh, you know, in the ocean or uh, going right next to, a, you know, a, a facility that uh, produces a lot of waste products that you can just directly put into your feedstock and then use it for jet fuel. Excellent. So uh, here's a question. What is NASA doing today where the ground logistics industry can play and how do they engage with you? Yeah, so if Mark can take this one, there's a lot of challenges that NASA's doing. So I'll let him expand on some of that if we've got him back. I just got back. Sorry for the the chief architect for technology having technology problems. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to 2020. Yeah, it happens. It happens. So there's lots of ways for for the ground logistics industry today to to help, help out. First off, it's your operational knowledge of doing this every day you're gonna have ideas of things that could help you do your job today that will also help us in the future. So those ideas of when, when you sit there at night and you say, gosh, I wish I had, well, that's the idea we're looking for because that can span a techno- spawn a technology that can be commercialized both to help you and to help NASA in the future. So we wanna hear those ideas and help develop those technologies so that we can prepare for the future for the space and enable the commercial market on the ground. Now, Mark McDonald, as a follow-up to that, what is the, uh, what's, what's the bigger challenge? Is it the regulatory side or the technological side? Where, where do you need the bigger break- breakthroughs to come in? Well, it's, it's definitely the technology side. Regulatory, you know, there was a question earlier about the FAA and regulations and, and NASA's appropriations. The government's actually leaning forward quite a bit, uh, you know, more so than I've ever seen in my career before to enable companies to do the right thing, to get these missions flown for the country, 
but also to be able to make a profit while doing it. You need, you need to look no farther than SpaceX, uh, Northrop Grumman flying logistics to space station today. It's happening. People are doing it. So regulatory is not a problem. Technology, it's the same thing in, in, in the ground industry. The more efficient you can make your trucks, the more profitable you become. We need to make our transportation thing more efficient. The ability to get mass to those distances. And the one thing I would point out is the biggest difference between the Apollo program and the Artemis program is logistics. In Apollo, we could only take what we could carry on that one mission. In Artemis, we are planning a logistics trail, right? That's what's going to enable a sustainable marketplace to keep us going forward. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, uh, another question for you really is you talked about let's dig a little bit deeper into the into the logistics. Uh, Mark Weiss mentioned, you know, inventory and delivery and and warehousing and the uh, remote control aspects of the supply chain throughout space as you hit the moon and then beyond. Talk to some of those challenges there. How do you do that in such a deep freeze environment? And, uh, you know, the time delays, I think 40 minutes to remote control something on Mars. And what is it? Two point five seconds to the to the moon it's it's both exact it's both harder than you would expect and easier than you would expect all right the environment is incredibly cold in the places that we're going to on the moon literally they're so cold that atoms stop moving in some places it's really cold so if you picture you know using an analogy in your industry but ice truckers you know where they have problems in those cold environments moving logistics same thing is going to be true here. So it's getting the new materials, getting the, the equipment to operate in the environment will be challenge number one. The autonomy is thinking ahead in advance. You know, we have automated forklifts on the ground today, automated logistics facilities that will go and get things out of your warehouse and bring them back. Those types of things already exist. We're going to be doing those same things in advance. If you think about that automated warehouse, you set it up to work automated. You design it that way from the front. You have signs and markers and, and, and sensors such that the automated robotics know where to go and, and, and know how to operate. We'll be doing the same thing on Gateway and the same thing on the surface of the moon. Wow, fantastic. Hey, Mark, we, Mark Weiss, let me ask you a question. Did you place the obelisk in Utah? And how do you feel about when aliens, NASA get memed and about some of these conspiracy theories? Uh, so, so we may have it here on Kennedy Space Center soon, but I think it's great <laughs> because we're, we're opening the door for more fans, right? You know, we talk about the science fiction aspect and science reality that we happen, happen to, you know, be stepping on and crossing the border of. So it's outstanding when we can just encourage and inspire more folks out there to, to get excited and see how fast technology is accelerating, how close to home the things NASA is doing and that they're investing in as taxpayers really does impact them. We have a, a viewer question here from David H. Uh, how long do you believe it will be before we see same-day global delivery powered by rockets? Uh, he follows it up, obviously, would be only feasible when payload is life and death or extremely valuable, but it's interesting new mode of transportation. So, so, so for me personally, you know, we're, NASA's investment going back to the moon is because we're seeing advances in reuse and, you know, and, and rocket technology. We're seeing costs come down. We're seeing additive manufacturing. We're seeing miniaturization again of electronics really bringing us closer. If you look at 
the investments NASA has made in, in the in the big SLS rockets and advanced you know manufacturing that's already playing forward in companies like SpaceX and Blue Origin, where they have now taken our reusability of the space shuttle and turning that into returning booster elements right back to Earth. The U.S. Department of Defense Transportation Command recently you know set up a study that they're doing with SpaceX. When you look at systems like their Starship Heavy Lift, you look at Blue Origin's new Glenn vehicle. The ability to move cargo high speed point to point isn't that far off. You know, it might be in the next decade, it, it might be right beyond that, but we're getting launch costs down. We keep pushing it down. We're working on the safety aspects continuously. The frequency is increased tremendously, and you'll start to see what we can do with rocket technologies, start to open up ideas for options when we need to do things fast. We, we've got this logistic supply chain that we're all waiting on with vaccines for COVID here pretty soon. Some of them got to be kept at temperatures. You heard Mark talk about the extreme environments on the moon. You start to see how all these things start to cross. We've got smaller rockets now launching that, that we didn't have before. It used to be all about economies of scale and large rockets. Now we've got smaller ones. So things are moving fast, and it might be another decade, but it's coming Max, if we I just have about real quickly there. Um, I, I as uh, I used to manage the aeronautics research mission directorate's uh, SBIR portfolio, so I'm obligated to remind everybody that the first A in NASA is aeronautics, and so there's a ton of logistics and uh, delivery and freight potential in uh, drone delivery and uh, and things like that. So um, getting things to people rapidly does not necessarily have to uh, you know happen with rockets in order to be NASA relevant. So if you guys have uh, solutions that you think apply, uh, you know, there's, um, uh, whether it's SBIR or ITEC or, uh, you know, uh, Fed BizOps or broad agency announcements, you guys may have uh, solutions that are NASA relevant, even if it doesn't involve putting something on a rocket. Wow. You know, I wish we had another two hours to just keep Absolutely. fielding questions to you guys. We didn't even get to even a fraction of them. So we'll have to get together and do this again, uh, hopefully before even the next space waves. What is, uh, we have about one minute left. What's next for NASA to get people excited, Mark Weiss? So, so soon here, we should start to hear astronauts that are going to get announced and selected for Artemis missions. We're looking forward to, to hearing where that goes. We're working on international partnerships as part of Artemis. Recently, you know, made the announcement with, with the European Space Agency. We're looking forward to some more coming on board. The Artemis Accords were showing broad, you know, on the regulatory side, broad cooperation across the world. So, so coming up in the next year, we'll, we, you know, we'll start to see the next steps we're taking to enable Artemis. Mark, Mark, and Max, thank you very much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Excellent nice. stuff. Wow. Like, like I said, we could have we could have just kept oh, yeah. going on and on, but we can't. You know why? Because the new frontier doing business in space with Robert Jacobson. He's actually the author of the uh, what space space is open for business. The book that space we're giving away. If you register, that's what that form is for. Check it out. He's going to be doing a discussion right now with our CEO and founder. It is the one and only Craig Fuller coming up now.